So welcome back to the Walk as Jesus Walk podcast series. And in today's message, we're going to hear a testimony from our sister, Terry Abood. And she is going to share a little bit about what her life is like in Christ and how she got to, to come to know the Lord. Uh, presently, she lives in the United States and she serves the kingdom of heaven. And as as all of us who are in Christ, she's experienced many things in her life. And yet, because of Jesus, she now lives a life of victory and of joy. And it hasn't always been that way. First John 2, 6 tells us that if we make the claim to be in him, being Jesus, that we must walk as he walked. Terry seeks to do just that every day. So, Terry, we're very much looking forward to hearing what's on your heart. Uh, concerning your life in Christ. And so um, go ahead and, and share with us what's on your heart, Terry. Okay, thank you so much. And uh, the reason why I want to share my testimony is because there's a lot of people out there that have been abused emotionally, physically, uh, sexually. And I can tell you the abuse that I went through as a child um, that no child should ever go through. And there's a lot of people in this world right now that are hurting. They hold on to the secrets and that's what's keeping them sick and keeping them bound. And my story begins at my young age of six years old, where I was sex trafficked by my mother and father. And they would bring people home from the bars, um, drunken, filthy men that would uh, be smoking cigars and in dirty t-shirts and I would hide my baby sister in the closet with me. And of course, I'd be always the first one to be pulled out. And uh, we didn't want to go and we didn't want to be put downstairs. And we didn't want to have all these terrible things done to us. Um, but I learned even how to uh, cope at a very young age um, only by forced alcohol. Uh, my mother and father would feed us alcohol starting at the age of six. I was a full-blown alcoholic at the age of 10, tried killing myself at age 11, and I know what it's like to be broken and hurting and hold on to secrets. I remember um, my father saying that we had a behavior problem. He would take us to the mental health center for counseling, and I couldn't say, well, my perpetrators were sitting right here. Um, I just couldn't say because I was uh, so afraid of my father. And there was a time when my baby sister was missing out of my life at a, probably nine or 10 years old, uh, if that old. Uh, and we ended up in a courtroom because my father tried to sell my baby sister to another family because she had behavior issues. Well, I, I can understand behavior issues and lashing out and anger and rage and all of that. Um, I would steal my father's alcohol uh, that he left in the freezer downstairs. And one day I put too much water into it and it froze and he blamed my mom and uh, he beat my mom for that. But it was me who did that because I was running away because I was so broken and so hurting. I left home at 14 and a half to 15 years old because of the abuse. And I went out and worked so that I could afford, uh, afford to buy my drugs and my alcohol and all the things that I was into. I told my parents I'd never be like you, but I was pretty much just like them. And I didn't want to be that way, but I didn't know how to come out of it 
because that's all I knew. I knew about abuse emotionally, physically, sexually, every which way you can imagine. Uh, I was molested on a daily basis by a brother. I was sodomized. I was beaten. Um, I tried to always protect my baby sister. Uh, she was uh, she was the light of my life. I'll tell you that, and I truly miss her. She passed away several years ago um, of a diabetic coma. Uh, doctors didn't know what to do with her anymore, and I went to go see her many times in the hospital, especially on Christmas time, and play music. And she went home to the Lord. She loved the Lord, and she was a, a bright spot in our life, even though she knew of all the abuse that we had gone through. And I had drank for 25 years. The only time I didn't drink or do drugs or was into gambling or pornography or any of that stuff was when I was in the hospital having operations on my back. Um, I know that all my anger, I had to do something with my anger. And my brothers were into lumberjacking and going out in the woods and cutting trees and cord wood. I used to do 27 cords of wood a week myself, cut, split, loaded, and delivered. Because of all the anger that was set inside of me, I didn't know how to come out of that abuse. So years later, I get sober and clean, and um, I'm just like thinking, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? I, here I am now 16 years uh, since I found Christ and since he came to me when I was going to end my life. And I remember uh, being in New Hampshire where my house was with my best friend who recently passed away in 2020 after 26 years of friendship. And I reached in for my, my whiskey and my beer first thing in the morning. And I came out empty handed. I'm like, what's going on? I had thought when I was a child, if there's a God, why are you allowing all of this to happen to me? And you know what it was? It was Satan that had me on that threshing floor, and he was beating the tire out of me. He wanted my soul. But God put a fight in me that was nonstop. He made me now an evangelist, a missionary author, and speaker, all with an eighth-grade education. And if you tell me that's not a mighty God, that is a mighty God. That is a powerful God that can transform lives and make radical transformations in anybody's life. And so... Sharing this with all of you, I can tell you that I have peace in my heart. I have joy. I have forgiven everybody. I remember sitting in the window at my best friend's house, our house that we had purchased together, and crying for days on end because I realized what a wretched sinner I was. And I had to forgive myself. That was the hardest thing I ever had to do was forgive myself because I should have known better, but I was just a child that was just broken. Little did I know that was going to follow me throughout my years. There's still healing being done in my heart. Um, fast forward, I've had nine heart attacks and I'm still alive. Recently, I just got out of the nursing home after 80 plus days. I was uh, had hospice uh, take care of me since April of this year. And I've been out of the hospital now for about three weeks. I mean, out of the nursing home for about three weeks. And of course, you know, the evangelist in me is not going to stop ever talking about Jesus. And I witnessed to about 300 people in the nursing home, even being on medications that they were expecting me to die within one to six months. And even with those medications, I still witnessed the people. Um, four salvations happened because of the Lord. I give him the glory for everything, for making me the way that he did, 
and for bringing me through the muck and the mire and the things that I was into and now sober and clean for 26 years as well. And I can't tell you enough how much Jesus has changed me and what he's done to me and transforming my life into somebody that I was, it was just black. It was just dark and I was hurting and I didn't know how to come out of that hurt until I met him. And I had a sister-in-law introduce me to the Bible and I was born Roman Catholic and my father used to have the, the, the priest come over and bless the house at spontaneous request because of what he was doing to his children. I know that even my, my brothers were abused and my oldest sister was abused and some of them have not come to terms with any of that. Uh, they just say that, well, it's, you know, it's just one of those things. I had a brother that also used to uh, ride his bicycle up and down the street saying incest is best. And I didn't know what that meant. I was just a child and he's the oldest. He's near an 80 and I'm in my sixties. I didn't know what any of that meant. And I know that, um, you know, the, the enemy he'll, he'll go after whoever he wants to sink and kill and devour. I know that my grandfather had a problem with, um, fornication. He actually had gone after my brother's wife, my sister-in-law and told her uh, what, what happens here in this house stays in this house. And so, you know, the enemy, he's, uh, he's everywhere and he's with these little demons and he's in families and he's breaking families apart as he's doing right now. I see it. I hear it. Um, it's just, it's really rough uh, to see what's going on in this world right now. But I basically wanted to share my story because I know there are so many people out there hurting, and men included. I went to a conference um, many years ago called um, Open Your Eyes, and it was a conference put on by a sheriff, prosecutor, defense attorney, and jail people in jail ministry, some chaplains and stuff. And they were saying how you look at a construction site with all the men working there. Uh, one out of every, no, no, there's two out of every 10 workers that are there that are men have been abused before the age of 16. And with women, it's usually three to four women have been abused before the age of 16. And I'm here to tell you, I know what that abuse feels like. And I had to forgive my perpetrators. I had to forgive my mother, my father, my brothers, my uncles, everybody that came into our home. Um, even my brother, um, who, who I adore, uh, he used to carry us around like a rag doll, just slamming us up against the walls because he was so furious because of the things that he had gone through. He was beaten and sodomized by men from the bars with my mother and father. And it was just a horrible thing. The way that my family, my mother and father raised us, but I can honestly tell you that I don't believe at all anymore that my mother and father woke up one day and said, I'm going to abuse my kids. We were losing a brother to leukemia and it just broke my mother and father's heart and they didn't know what to do about it. Joe DiMaggio was actually um, from, uh, from baseball. Joe DiMaggio, we had pictures of Joe DiMaggio with my brother. Um, He came into the nursing home, into the hospital as uh, my brother was dying. And I think what happened to my dad is he just totally lost it. All my brothers and sisters are alcoholics still, and I don't have anything to do with them because I, 
I just can't right now. I don't know if ever, but I still live in the shadows of my past because I was the person who would steal the booze. I was the one who would steal the money. I wanted to get my drugs. I wanted to run, run as fast as I could into the pit, but not knowing it was going to be the pit. I wanted to numb myself and tried to commit suicide a couple of times. I even hung a rope from the rafters in the garage and I spray painted it red and put a ladder up there uh, because of something it was minor. I, my brother threw a softball, a baseball at me and hit me in the knee. And I got mad and I threw a rock at him and he ended up in the hospital. I hit him in a temple, but I was going to hang myself over that. And, you know, I could see now I could see Satan just applauding. And, you know, we have to really be aware of that. Is what we're thinking and what we're doing of Christ or is it of the enemy? If we're in those dark pits and those dark holes, we need to come out of that. And it's only through the blood of Jesus that we can do that. And recently, um, after my ninth heart attack, uh, well, I'll go back to my fourth heart attack. Uh, in I became unresponsive in my, my nephew's home. And luckily, his wife came in and I was in the middle of a massive heart attack. I was in the emergency room and the uh, doctor was there. And he was saying, Teresa, you're like Peter in the boat. Jesus is calling you out. And my pulse dropped to 20 beats a minute. And I look up in the corner of the emergency room. I couldn't speak. All I could do is think in my mind and in my heart. And I see this big, beautiful box. And I'm like, Lord, what is that? He said, Teresa, don't keep me in a box. I'm like, Lord, but you made me a missionary, an evangelist, an author, and a speaker. And I go is is where you lead me all the time. I'm on fire for Jesus. I tell everybody about Jesus. Remember Jesus loves you. Remember what he did on the cross. And littlest things in the, even the checkout aisle of the grocery store. Can you imagine what heaven's food tastes like? I mean, there are so many little things where we can witness to people and love people, even from a distance. Call somebody and tell them you love them and you're thinking about them and you're praying for them. Pray with them over the phone. So... After I almost died, my life had changed, but I was like still wanting to do more for the kingdom. And um, a couple girls had given me a tra- um, a mobile home, not a mobile home, a mo- um, an RV. And I was in the process of uh, fixing that up when I had my fifth heart attack. And the heart supposedly, according to the doctors, but not Dr. Jesus, according to the doctors, only my heart was only working at 25%. Well, now it's at 40%. When I was in the nursing home, I went in there mainly because my heart was just going out of whack. You need a heart transplant, a defibrillator, or a pacemaker. And I said, I'm not doing that. And this, this body belongs to Christ, and I'm not doing that. That's my personal choice. And they think I have a psychiatric issue because I'm trusting in Jesus and not of them. Uh, and I'm not taking their medications because I, I just, it made me feel so bad. Give me a medication that doesn't cause side effects. I found herbs, roots, and leaves uh, to work for lowering my blood pressure, for helping my body uh, get better as, you know, I was through my ninth heart attack. And I just keep going and going. When I was in the nursing home just recently, it was a, like um, within a week I left there. Because what the Lord had done as I was witnessing to people, 
He touched the center of my chest and I felt the fire go out of my back. And I'm like, I have no more chest pains. Wait a minute. I got to test this. I started walking around all three floors of the nursing home and with no chest pains. And then he said to me, I'm going to take you off of those medications because you're becoming somebody that you're not. And the fog immediately lifted from my brain and I was healed twice in one day within an hour of each other. I was healed. No more medications from the doctors. I went through withdrawals from methadone to lauded to lazapan. You name it, I was on it because they were going to eventually merciful, mercifully kill me um, with the medication. So then my heart would stop because that's where I was at. And now I can walk up hills. It's, it's like I got sea legs again, but I can walk up hills. I can do it in pretty much everything without any chest pain. Because I know that he touched me, that fire went out my back, and then he took away the brain fog. And I still am not taking any medications from the doctors for my heart or any other reason. So, and then one other thing I want to share with you guys is, you know, the trust that we have in each other. We try to build that trust within each other. But unfortunately, some people fall short. Recently, someone took my car from me and it was willed to this person, but we had a five-time commitment, kingdom commitment. If I live, I get my car back. If I die, you keep it. Well, they're still keeping it. I am an evangelist, missionary, author, and speaker, all without transportation. He has me right now being still to the point where it's so uncomfortable because I'm so used to being on the go. I've traveled a half a million miles in 10 years working for the King of Kings. I've been to Israel. I've been all over the United States doing missions and working with uh, other organizations. And I can tell you this stillness that is in me without transportation, oh, it's heartbreaking to me. It's gut-wrenching to me. But I know that my spirit is becoming more, much more closer with the Lord. And we're becoming more, I was on my face earlier, kneeling down at my bed and, and just asking him to just touch me and keep healing me and then make a way so that I can get another vehicle so that we can go on the road again. But I never stop witnessing for Jesus. I never, I never, never. I'll be on my deathbed whenever that is. But like you, you, you say, and the Bible says, to die is gain. That's what Paul had said, to die is gain. I'm waiting for that next breath in the kingdom, and I'm waiting just to see him. Oh, here's, here's one, too. On March 22nd of this year, I died for 27 minutes on the side of the road. I was talking to my, my, my mother and my spiritual mom in North Carolina. And I let out this cough after she'd hung up. She was uh, at a conference of the, the bride of Christ. And after we hung up, I let out this cough inside of me that never was so deep. And I felt woozy. I felt my mouth watering. I pulled over on the side of the road then another friend had called me and I said, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I can mention her name, Elena. I said, Elena, um, uh, I got something going on. I can't breathe. And she goes, Onward Christian Soldier, which is my favorite hymn of all time. We used to play that over at the Mansion Church in Maine. And Onward Christian Soldier, and I was out like a light. I don't even know till this day, and I've passed, I've gone down that route. I can't tell you a hundred times and I can't even tell you where I passed out, where I had vomited, 
where I was, I was dead. I was dead. The next thing I know, I'm like 25 miles away, well, 20 miles away from my apartment. The next thing I know, I am walking on air in my living room and I was in the holies of holies. You want to talk about peace? You want to talk about love? Everything in my room turned white and I saw angels around me. This world has nothing for us, but we have a job to do here. And we have to do that with Christ. We have to give God the glory for everything that we are because he's made us somebody brand new. He's gearing us up for the kingdom. And I know this because I'm not the same person that I used to be. To die is to gain. And to see what I saw in my living room after I had died, I don't remember driving home. For 27 minutes, I did all the math on my phone and who I talked to last. When the possibility was at that second that I pulled over on the side of the road and then I came into my my house. I don't even remember parking my car, driving my car, walking into the house. I was in my living room in the holies of holies. And I was just in awe. Lord, what peace, what love you have. We're not going to worry about tomorrow. We're not going to worry about what we did last week or what's coming up next week or the month after or the month after. There is no time frame. We are in the presence of Jesus and we are feeling love like you could never, ever imagine a calm that comes over your mind, your spirit, your soul, even your body. It's like, it's like I wasn't even there anymore. And then I'm like, what just happened? I'm going back on my phone and I'm thinking, <clears throat> what happened to me? I remember the coughing. I remember talking to my, my spiritual mom. I remember uh, the, the next phone call that came in onward Christian soldier. And then I don't remember anything after that. So I want to tell you guys that this is, this is not our home. <laughs> I can tell you that this is not our home. We have a brand new place waiting for us with new assignments and giving God glory for everything that we have done. And, you know, with not having my vehicle, I, I just feel like Christ is being robbed by me not being able to evangelize to people as I do every day with everybody that I meet because I want them to know the love and the change that Jesus can do inside of their hearts. And what he can heal in uh, physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, um, enormous things that can that can happen in our lives here if we trust and we believe with all that we are. And that's my story right now. Amen. And powerful story, uh, which has not ended and will not end because God's got so much work for you to do. Uh, yes. He wouldn't have you in this world unless he had a purpose. Otherwise, you would have been with him in, in heaven and in eternity. But there, there is, as you said, work that needs to be done. And also, I want to share with you that Satan can go ahead and do what he wants. You might not get a car back for a while. You might not feel like you have transportation. You might feel like you're trapped. But here you are sharing your testimony which is going to be on a podcast that can be listened to worldwide and the Holy Spirit can move. And trust me, 
What God wants to do with our lives cannot be bound by this earth because God is the almighty and he will provide all of your needs. Um, what a, an inspiration and how encouraging it is to hear how God is working, not in just your life, Terry, but in the lives of those that he's touching from your life. Mm-hmm. So um, just for the listeners, you can download Terry's book. And in fact, if you look into the description of this podcast, um, I, I've left the link there. It's called Turning Over a New Leaf. And you can go directly to that link and it will take you to where you can get your own copy of Terry's book, which tells the same story you heard, but yet, of course, much more magnified because um, it gives it all in detail from the time she was uh, a very young girl and many things that happened in her life that she didn't have time to share here. So a beautiful, beautiful, powerful testimony. Um, And I'm sure that it's resonated with all of all of you who are listening. And we all know how amazing it is that the Lord can bring peace and joy in spite of everything that Terry shared that she had to endure, even what she's enduring today. But yet she finds peace and joy that can only come from Christ. Um, And in John 15, 13, it says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Well, you know, Terry has given up everything in her life to serve not just Jesus, but that's the first commandment, but the second Mm -hmm. commandment to serve all others in this world each and every day. And we must seek to do the same if we're really truly going to walk as Jesus walked. And so Terry, thank you for the for the time. And we look forward to to continued a blessed time sharing and enjoying our lives together here until the Lord takes takes us home. Thank you, Steve.